Good morning, and welcome to Simply Finance. It's Thursday, February 1st. On today's show, Plutus Finance files for IPO, and we take a look at what's ahead for local small business lending and finance. Plus, we discuss the looming distress in multifamily finance and why it's happening. This coverage and more, up next. I'm David, and you're listening to Simply Finance. We start off with news from the financial sector, as Plutus Financial Group, a financial services firm, has filed for an initial public offering with the Securities and Exchange Commission. The firm, which operates through subsidiaries in Hong Kong, plans to sell 2.1 million shares in its IPO, with an expected price range of $4 to $6 per share. Here with us to discuss this further is our correspondent, Michael. Can you tell us more about Plutus's plans? Certainly, David. Plutus intends to list its shares on the NASDAQ capital market under the ticker P. In this offering, selling shareholders are expected to sell up to 1.68 million shares. And what does Plutus plan to do with the proceeds from this IPO? Plutus expects net proceeds of about $8.42 million from the IPO. The company plans to use these funds to digitize its systems and services, fund customer trading facilities, and expand its customer management and wealth management teams. How has the company been performing financially? In the six months that ended on June 30, 2023, Plutus generated a profit of $107 million from revenue of $358 million. So it seems to be in a strong financial position. Who are the underwriters for this offering? Pacific Century Securities and RF Lafferty & Co. are acting as underwriters for Plutus's offering. Thanks for the insights, Michael. Now, as we continue to navigate 2024, we're seeing significant changes in the finance industry, particularly in the realm of small business lending. From the use of virtual reality in employee training to the increasing reliance on artificial intelligence, the landscape is evolving rapidly. Here to discuss this further is our correspondent, Bella. So Bella, what are the experts saying about the use of artificial intelligence in the finance industry? Well, David, the consensus among experts is that artificial intelligence has been a part of the financial services industry for years, and its use is only accelerating. Richard Aguilar, Vice President at Bank of America, mentioned their virtual financial assistant, Erica, which uses AI to provide clients with insights and guidance on various financial matters. He believes AI will augment human intelligence, making us more efficient and effective. And what about the application of AI in the realm of small business lending? Jeff Clark, Vice President of Live Oak Bank, sees AI playing a significant role in the application and administration of smaller loan offerings. He believes this could make credit more readily available. Brian Kilkenny, Vice President of Business Lending at Redwood Credit, also sees the industry adapting to the availability of AI. He mentioned that while there's a lot of opportunity for AI, it's crucial to use it effectively while still providing the personal service that Redwood Credit Union is known for. How about the use of AI in fraud prevention and enhancing customer experiences? Sunil Pandya, a commercial banking executive at Wells Fargo, mentioned that the financial services industry has been very thoughtful about adopting new technology. He noted an increased use of data science, model development, machine learning, and artificial intelligence in recent years, 
starting with fraud prevention efforts. Wells Fargo is continuously learning and expanding how they use this technology, focusing on initiatives that aim to enhance customer experiences and streamline services. And what about the future of AI in the banking industry? Brandy Lee Seppi, Executive Vice President and Chief Lending Officer at Summit State Bank, believes that artificial intelligence is already being used in the banking industry to improve processes and workflow, and its use will only increase with time. So it's clear that AI is playing an increasingly important role in the finance industry, and we can expect this trend to continue. Thanks for that update, Bella. As we continue to monitor these financial developments, let's shift our focus to the multifamily finance sector, which is bracing for a wave of distress in 2024. These projects are falling short of financial projections, largely due to overpayment for assets, a spike in the secured overnight financing rate, and rising property taxes and construction costs. Here with us to delve deeper into this issue is our correspondent, Abby. Can you tell us more about the situation? Indeed, David. The multifamily sector is under scrutiny this year, with many wondering about the potential fallout when loan maturity dates come due. However, it's important to note that lenders have a lot of flexibility in how they can rework these loans, so the level of distress will vary on a case-by-case -case basis. What are some of the warning signs we should be looking out for? Potential distress in the apartment sector approached $70 billion at the end of the third quarter last year, which is about 2.6% of the market. High concentrations of distress are seen in Brooklyn and Houston. Current multifamily distress totaled about $9 billion worth of assets. These are significant indicators of potential trouble. Despite these warning signs, there have been some encouraging signs about the larger debt market. Can you tell us more about that? Yes. The National Multifamily Housing Council's latest quarterly survey of apartment market conditions shows that finance is one of the few areas of the industry where sentiment is trending upward. 45% of respondents said that debt was more available, up from 0% in the October survey. This is the first improvement in 10 quarters. Another 35% said that borrowing conditions are unchanged. What are some strategies borrowers are using to navigate this situation? Some borrowers are securing extensions on their loans. To do this, they may need to take further steps, such as purchasing rate caps for 1.5 to 2.5% of the loan balance and depositing fresh cash into interest reserve accounts. However, this approach is not without its challenges, as tighter-than-expected debt service coverage ratios can cause stress. Are there any regions that are at a greater risk of multifamily defaults? Yes, certain regions are at a higher risk. Some 25.7% of multifamily bank loans in the South Atlantic region are classified as criticized, which is the highest of any region. In Texas, Oklahoma, Arkansas, and Louisiana, 22.5% of loans are criticized. A criticized loan range of 5 to 15% represents a more stable environment. What can we expect in the future for the multifamily finance sector? As banks face pressure to offload troubled loans, we can expect the emergence of rescue capital funds that aim to recapitalize struggling multifamily projects. However, a standoff between lenders and investors is currently preventing the injection of fresh funding. The outcome of this standoff will likely unfold in the first and second quarters of this year. That was Simply Finance correspondent Abby 
shedding light on the looming distress in the multifamily finance sector. Now shifting our focus to international finance, the Finance Ministry of Ukraine has briefed international partners on the use of U.S. aid funds. This was announced by Sergei Marchenko, the Minister of Finance of Ukraine, at a meeting with various U.S. officials. The Ukrainian government, the World Bank, and USAID have been implementing a multi-level system of monitoring and auditing the direct budgetary support of the United States, which has reached $23 billion since the onset of the full-scale war. Here to delve into this further is our correspondent, Celeste. Can you tell us more about how these funds have been used? Certainly, David. The funds have been directed towards public sector salaries, including doctors, teachers, and civil servants, with the exception of the security forces and emergency workers. They have also been used for state social assistance. The Ministry of Finance has expressed its commitment to accountability and efficient use of financial aid from its partners. What measures have been taken to ensure transparency in the use of these funds? The Ukrainian government, in collaboration with international partners, has taken several steps to ensure transparency. They have partnered with Deloitte Consulting and PricewaterhouseCoopers Ukraine to monitor and audit the use of direct budget support from the U.S. government. In cooperation with the World Bank, all disbursements are made on the basis of monthly reports separately for each category of employees and recipients of social state aid. The World Bank also conducts an expenditure review before disbursing funds to the Ukrainian government to ensure that funds are used only for their intended purpose. And how much financial assistance has Ukraine received since the full-scale invasion? Since the full-scale invasion by Russia, international partners have provided Ukraine with $73.7 billion in financial assistance. That's quite a significant amount indeed. Thanks for the insights, Celeste. And with that, we wrap up our stories for today. Thanks for listening to Simply Finance. We'll see you back here tomorrow.